0: online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind, that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, a couple of Christ-confessing Concordians read through the book of Concord and discuss what we believe, teach, and confess according to Scripture in our Lutheran confession of the faith. On today's show, we're going to continue Article 5 from the epitome of the formula of Concord, looking at the negative statements, those teachings we reject and condemn, because they stand against scripture with regard to the teaching on the law and the gospel. I'm your host, Pastor Sean Smith, pastor of the dual parish of Emmanuel West Point in St. Paul's Wine Hill in southern Illinois. And my companion confessor in conversation about this article today is Pastor David Weiss, pastor of Concordia in Evansville, Indiana. Pastor Weiss, welcome back to Concord Matters.
1: It's good to be back. How are you this afternoon? It is great.
0: I am on lockdown here in southern Illinois. We have Have those uh, stay-at-home orders in place. How are you faring over there in Indiana?
1: Well, I could still get to my office where I sit by myself, uh, (laughs) but it's good to be able to be on the radio with you.
0: All right. Yeah, definitely great uh, that we have the means and ability to continue teaching our Lutheran confession of the faith, the Christian faith, uh, by these means. And so it's uh, always great to have a great uh, confessor on with us Uh, to do that here so as i said uh in my setup we're going to be continuing article 5 here Uh, very very important um, article of our christian faith flows very much forth from that chief article the article of justification as we've laid out in the past couple of shows uh, how we see that connection in there the teaching of god's law and god's gospel as he speaks to us in scripture and today, we're really going to see, all right, where does this still apply to us today? Where, where do we see this at work, this mingling, this confusion, and, and all of those sorts of things, especially as it presents it to ourselves, uh, to, to us uh, in these negative statements, uh, this, this uh, what we reject and condemn. And uh, it's very brief, just one paragraph. Uh, and so we'll go ahead and read that and then jump right in here. So this is again Article 5 from uh the Reader's Edition of the Book of Concord available to you from Concordia Publishing House the publishing arm of our Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and this is uh, paragraph 11 in Article 5 the Law and the Gospel negative statements contrary doctrine that is rejected We reject and regard as incorrect and harmful the teaching that the gospel, strictly speaking, is a preaching of repentance or rebuke and not just a preaching of grace. For by this misuse, the gospel is converted into a teaching of the law. Christ's merit and holy scripture are hidden. Christians are robbed of true consolation and the doors opened again to the errors and superstitions of the papacy. All right. So jumping into this then, uh, we, we see this, you know, that that this is, harmful and incorrect to regard this teaching of the gospel, especially it talks about, you know, strictly speaking, or we've talked about, you know, that we, we can define that as narrowly speaking. And, and so I guess a, a question that commonly comes up uh, to us as pastors, I'm sure you've gotten this, uh, Pastor Wees. and so I'm going to allow you to respond to this here, but say someone comes up to you and says, you know, your church has it all wrong. Jesus teaches that we are to love one another. Your churches stand against things like homosexuality or, you know, um, not cohabitating or, or whatever thing you might insert into there. Uh, they, they say that that's unloving because the gospel is all that we need. And Jesus tells us uh, the gospel, they say, is that we are to accept people as they are. How, how do you respond to that uh, with this thinking of uh, proper distinction of the law and the gospel?
1: Well, two things pop into my head and the first really uh, goes to less what's in this paragraph um that you just read and more the 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 whole the whole approach that the formula of concord takes um, if what you just um gave as a as a hypothetical um somebody is saying that to me as a fellow christian um the formula of concord um gives us an avenue through which we can deal with our differences and come out, um, in unity on the other side. Um, and I think this is a really important thing, <clears throat> pardon me, Part, partly because it's so, um, how do I say it? It, it, it's so, it's so simple and it's so clear. Um, I mean, the idea, and, and you described this in the introduction, the idea of the formula of Concord is, um, its approach is, is three parts um you just described a hypothetical where somebody has a dispute with with me or or really with my church body really with with the scriptures and and so the first thing to do is to ask what's the chief question that that is at the heart of of our difference our dispute are are we are we um are we approaching the same question do do we understand what that is right and and then next um I have the opportunity to say what, um, what I affirm, what what does God's word say? Um, and then we get to the third part, which is what this paragraph is about. What, what do we reject? What's contrary to scriptures? Um, what they don't like is obviously what we're affirming and rejecting. Um, they, they don't like, um, the, the negative talk, um, today, our whole paragraph is a is a negative idea, right? Uh, the the assignment you gave me when you asked if I could be on was to be negative in a way because that's what this is the negative thesis, a contrary teaching. So there's no way that I can't be contrary. I suppose today, um, but the point is there there is a time to be negative. There is a time to be contrary. Not not, uh, rude, um, or, or, um, never to, to take, um, the script, the teaching of the scriptures and Lord over someone. Um, but there, there is a time and a place, um, to, to disagree and, um, hopefully without being disagreeable, even though they may not see it that way. Um, and, and, and again, that's the whole, uh, before we even get to the content, that's the whole, um, the um, what's the structure of of the formula of concord? It provides this wonderful structure. Um, first of all, are we even asked are are we on in, starting in the same place? What is the chief question? Um, so what they're doing is, um, and what we can't agree with is, um, and you've said this is mingling the law and the gospel. Um, they in fact they want to they're not even mingling it. They just want to get rid of the law altogether. Um, so. Uh, what well, did, so why did you, you, you go ahead
0: well you you bring you bring up an interesting point there that uh you know that we're, we're talking about this, you know, negative statements, you know, things that we reject and condemn and that our culture uh, and it's really always been there. You know, we, we don't like to hear that. I, I see that at work already in my son, right? You know, he throws a little temper tantrum and he's just a little over one year old when he hears things that he doesn't want to hear. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so even in my setup, right, you know, there's an interesting irony at work there, right, that we, you know, they don't want to hear that we reject and condemn certain things because they stand against scripture. Right. And yet at the same time, they are telling us that we're wrong. Right. And so what, what is our guide? What is our measure for what is right? When is it appropriate to reject something? When is it uh, appropriate to actually say, no, that, that is wrong. And we reject and condemn that.
1: Yeah. I, I think one of the challenges uh, for me and probably for a lot of um, Christians is um, well. First of all, just rejecting personally rejecting what someone else has said. Um, the answer to when to do that is is I think pretty clear. And again, I don't want to be overly obvious, but but if we can keep it simple, that's good. Uh, when should I personally reject what someone else has said? When they're wrong. Um, we shouldn't believe everything that we hear. Um, we have we have to be discerning, and I, I think that's fairly easy for people to understand um, I think sometimes they're confused about what's right um, what's correct and what's incorrect and we can get to that in a moment but I the, the real challenge I think is when should we speak up how do we know when it's actually good to say negative things to be contrary um, with people it never quite feels right as people get angry um, I feel like I should back off should I um, the answer sometimes is yes um, other times, um, i think we need to have some peace with the fact that people aren't happy with us um, because they did need to hear us being um, contrary or saying something contrary to what what um, they have espoused um, so when is that uh, well when when something has been taught in the church um, that is is harmful um, and and again I, I you know obviously we we live in a time and a culture where where that's highly debated what's helpful and what's harmful and and everything's kind of topsy-turvy this beautiful article explains it in one very simple paragraph really even just just a phrase how will we know when something is incorrect or harmful to the church because that's when we need to speak up because we don't want the church to be harmed well when something has been said that's contrary to scriptures more specifically using the language of the paragraph uh, when the merit of christ is obscured when Christ's work is obscured. Um, that's that's harmful to God's people, um, and that's a time when we we have to speak up, um, and and we have to to be, disagree um, with with the people who have um, who have said something that's that's contrary to the Scriptures, that's false. And the the reason why this is harmful, um, I guess, you know, you could put it kind of on a scale of of how harmful it is um you know the worst case scenario is what what you're teaching ultimately is leading people to hell Um, obviously we need to speak up in that situation Now, there are a lot of things that are being taught in congregations and in in church bodies around the world Christian congregations and church bodies that are that 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 is wrong um and and that doesn't mean that all those people in those congregations um are going to hell so obviously there's sort of a, a scale um uh, for for lack of a better word um that we're dealing with but but I like the way um this paragraph um addresses it um christians are robbed of true comfort um we don't want that you know and I I don't know that that phrase especially hit me because it 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 seems like comfort's in such short supply and as pastors um as church we we can't right now offered in the way that we have our entire ministries and lives. Um, So, so those words hit me especially hard, the idea of robbing Christians of true comfort. Um, And, and we're sensitive to that because we can't hold our church services and we can't shake hands and, and we're wondering how do we do communion and, and, and are we going to have Easter and all those sorts of things. But, but really this is something that, that we should be sensitive to all the time when somebody speak something that obscures the merit of Christ, they're robbing people of true comfort the same way this virus is robbing people of the comfort of being present in one another's company. That's serious stuff.
0: Yeah, I think you've hit on something here when you talk about, uh, you know, knowing when to speak up. And and you've really well identified for us that, you know, when it's robbing someone of true comfort, you know, when, when they're actually going to hell... Uh, because of the lifestyle that they're leading, or or the uh, and to to continue to wrestle with here, uh, especially at knowing when to speak up with our family members who are often, uh, that that's a great struggle for a lot of Christian people is, you know, we're afraid of losing our relationship with our family members and things of that nature. And so knowing when, when is it appropriate to speak up and this robbing them of the true comfort. And, and I often talk about it this way, uh, when I work with my confirmants, right. Uh, that this is the nature of repentance. Uh, you know, if, if I see a child, Going towards a hot oven, right? And they're going to, it's going to would i would I sit there and ask my question that so many people, you know, seem to wrestle with over so much? you know, oh, well, when should I speak up? when when should I intervene and say, hey, you are going to hurt yourself. No, you're, you're going to jump up and you're going to say, hey, no, don't do that. Don't touch that. That's going to hurt you, right? Uh, it, it will not be comforting for you. There, there's going to be a whole lot of crying and, and just a whole lot of issues that will come out of this. And so, you know, we don't seem to wrestle with this when we break it down that simply, right? Um, uh, but, you know, Th- this this does seem to be a bit of a problem for people. Uh, so so talk a little more about that, Pastor Weiss, about the nature of repentance playing in, which we've talked about, you know, is, is con- that repentance is connected with a proclamation of the law. And then going back to our first episode, that's kind of the whole status of the controversy of this, is that you've taken gospel and made it into law and thinking that gospel brings about, uh repentance. Uh can can you kind of diagnose that a little bit more for us, Pastor Weese?
1: Yeah. Um the I, I I like your I like your example. I, I like I like talking about families talking to families. Um I, I think that's a, a a great place to focus our attention, especially if we're talking about comfort, whether we're providing comfort or robbing them of true comfort. God's word um, is comforting, um, and and sometimes it requires faith um, to believe that um, it it doesn't feel like it's comforting. Um, there are there are times where the thing that I have to say um, or the questions I have to ask seem like like they're doing the opposite, you know. So I I have to believe that that God is better at comforting than I am. Um that his word can do what he says it can do, um that that the Holy Spirit is accomplishing something and is much better at it than than what I am. There's a lot of faith involved there. Um, and um, sometimes i I think we 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 forget that. Um, I, I think that's really important is as, as far as this issue um, of um, the people. You know uh, using the gospel to to so that they can um excuse their sins um establishing security in their sins um i looked at, since we had a small pa- paragraph i looked at um kind of skimmed uh, law and gospel walter's law and gospel again and and um one of his theses talks about the gospel is preached to people who are secure in their sin um, this is an error, that the gospel would be preached to people secure in their sins, so that intentional sin is excused. And he talks about, and this isn't going to make people feel better, but it's it's helpful. It's a distinction that edifies. <laughs> um, there are two classes of people. And I know in America, we don't like to think in terms of class. Um, we hear the word class of people, or the phrase classes of people, and we immediately think, you're going to oppress me, aren't you? Um, the, the opposite is true. But but Walter talks about two classes of people and, and how it's absolutely essential. Um, he says, this must, Walter says, this must sound forth in every sermon so that the hearer knows he is either alive or dead, converted or unconverted, um, godless or pious. Um, these are the two classes, believer or unbeliever. There's a lot of different ways to say it. Um... But 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 these are the only two classes. For, forget everything you know that uh, that Karl Marx said. These are the two classes: believer or unbeliever. Um, there's no comfort in one of these places. Um, I, I don't know. I, I know that that sounds like oppressive language, and some people that's that's what they're trying to run away from. You know, don't don't put me in a class, especially in the class of unbeliever or unconverted. Um, but this isn't about oppression. This is about providing clarity. Um, here's where you are, right? The law provides this clarity, of showing me showing me where I am as a sinner. The gospel leads me to freedom, and and the gospel leads me to confidence that I am free. Um, so um, uh, again, God's word is 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 effective at providing comfort, um, but it most certainly does um, um, show us where we're at first. It shows us our sin before it leads us out of it um and um so there there's no dismissing the law um people who are secure in their sins um it could be debated i guess whether or not they're comfortable um whether they're comforted um by their life i, I suppose that could be uh debated but the reality is um that their their situation is um is deadly yeah so i
0: mean yeah that <laughs> we're really good at lying to ourselves, right? And so I think that's what you're hitting on, you know, it, it can be debated, are they actually comfortable in the, the lifestyle that they think will make them happy, right? Um, but but what matters again is what God says because he's the creator of the heavens and the earth and, and he's the ultimate judge that will judge on the last day, right? And so that that's why it's important to bring it back to scripture and what God has spoken in his word, which when he speaks, he speaks in law and gospel. And I think you've laid out really well for us that our true comfort is only in the freedom that's the only us, look, you're safe and secure unto eternity and, and you're robbing them of that comfort when you take the gospel and call it law. Right. And and to, to bring back to my original question that I set up, I I, that's at least what I see going on there. You know, when we say that, you know, Jesus tells us to accept people how they are, right? Well, there's, there's some really big issues going on there. One, because you've said, Jesus tells me, well, that's law speak. You know, we laid that out really well on last week's show. Uh, How, how do we properly distinguish what the, what is the law and what is the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, there's no gospel, there's no deliverance, no freedom there. Right. And, and then the other error is, is that, yeah, so we, we, you know, let them sit securely in their sins, it's robbing them of the comfort to know that you're free in Christ when we repent and are forgiven, right? That's what delivers us that eternal security. And so you, you're, you're you're calling gospel law, which is ineffective for leading to repentance, we got to just let the law do its work, you know, uh, crush, kill and condemn us, and then that gospel is just so sweet and comforting, right? Uh, so, I, so then go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, something you... <laughs> the, the, the illustration you used before with, uh, with the oven, um, how ridiculous, um, how appropriate is it that, that as you see uh, your, your little toddler um, running towards a hot sto- stove, um, that you yell, stop, um, don't do that. Um, on the other hand, um, after the child... Has touched that stove and is injured and is screaming and crying to stand there and yell at the child and say you shouldn't have done that, you know, um, your your timing is off, right? And it's sort of the same thing. I remember when I was young and and I, I love my dad, uh, you know my dad, uh, <laughs> but I remember one time I was uh, I was at a uh, he collects antiques and I remember he. Um, took me with him one time to a guy's house that had the most amazing things that you've ever seen. And he had a belt buckle that had you push a button and a, a little a little Derringer popped out of the belt buckle. And I w- he always gave me a piece of hard candy. And uh, I saw that and he, he pressed that button and it popped out and I said, cool. And when I said cool, that hard candy lodged in my throat. And the guy, I, I couldn't breathe. The guy gave me the Heimlich and uh afterwards i th- i know it was just because of of uh the fear of the moment but my dad was yelling at me you have to be more careful you have to be more careful uh you know i probably the gospel would have been more appropriate at that time but he was he was upset he was he was scared i think you know uh, cuz it looked like i was going to die um but but you know yeah we warn people um but but then there's there's a time for comfort right there's a time for the gospel and the law does not comfort; um, on, only the gospel does. You know, you hug your child um, after they've burn, been burned. Um, you 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 take care of the the wound um, after they've been hurt. And um, and yeah, there's there's a time for both of these, and they're both essential. Um, these are the two teachings of the scriptures. Um, would you cast out one any? T- would you cast out one of the teachings of the scriptures? No, you can't. You need them both, um, and you need them both at the proper time. This is serious, and I again, I think that idea of comfort helps because we're we're saying we're we're talking to to people who have families. This is what they want for their families. We're talking to pastors who have members and fellow members that, that want to be able to comfort one another. Um, this is this is saying how this is the appropriate way to provide what we all want to provide for the people that we love and care about, and even for our enemies.
0: I, I think that's an interesting example that you just gave, and I, and I don't want to take this too far afield with this, but uh, I found myself thinking, you know, well, actually, the, the gospel in that situation that you gave is the guy who gave you the Heimlich, right? That's, that's right. The comfort yeah. Because you die without it. Right? Yep, <laughs> and, yep, that's and right. So, with our next article and 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 i do know your dad and i i like him and respect him a lot and so maybe i'm just you know defending him i don't know uh but uh you know, maybe maybe this connects him with Article six, the third use of the law. He was giving yeah. you instruction, you know, uh, now that you've been saved, you you know, you got to be more careful there. Right. But I think yeah, you're but... also right. You know, sometimes we speak out of fear, too. But uh, not, not to overly diagnose situation no, from your like childhood. the situation. I like that. I
1: just just in case my dad's listening, the best construction is I, I appreciate that. I agree with you 100 percent. My dad was using the third use of the of the law there right thank you (laughs) well and and
0: as we'll talk about when we get to that you know you can't really control right the law you you just speak law right but but and, and you've hit on a, an excellent point. Right. Knowing when to speak law and and you've brought in CFW Walther and that's always welcome on this show. Right. You know, walkabouts with Walther is a fun little segment that we like here. And 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 this is, you know, to kind of help us with this question again. Right. You know, when when do I speak up? When do I when do I speak law? When do I speak gospel Right? And and Walther, you know, he. he He has a great, big, thick book on this, you know, The Proper Distinction of Law and Gospel, a book that all pastors should read. You know, I try to to work it in. I read it at least once every year. Uh, You know, it it is just a a magnificent work, and it's very in-depth. But then I love what he does when, when he talks about, you know, knowing when to speak law and gospel, you know, he he relates it to, to Luther saying, you know, anyone who, who properly does this definitely deserves uh, the calling of doctor of the church, right? You know, because it, it is a fine art, right? One that only the Holy Spirit can truly do through us poor, miserable speakers of his word, right? Whether we be laymen or pastors, but he does break it down very simply for us in this, right? And he says, you know, to one who is secure in their sins, who is who is unrepentant, not a drop of gospel comfort should come to them. Not a drop of it. Because what... Again, as we've already talked about, right? Um, they're, they're not going to be comforted in this, right? Uh, they 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 need that law to call them to repentance, to make them realize their situation. Hey, I'm walking off a cliff. I'm going to hell. I'm gonna I'm gonna touch the hot oven, right? You know, this is this is very dangerous for me. And until they have the recognition of that, right? Until they see, hey, I'm choking on the candy and I'm gonna die, right? They're they're not they're not ready to be rescued. But then he says. But when, when they have been brought to the terrors of that, right, when, when I have seen, oh, man, I could have died there, right, what, what should be spoken to that heart? Well, the gospel comfort, right, that, that, that blessed assurance that we have. All right, that's a fun little walkabout with Walther. We'll have to leave it there and uh, get your thoughts on this, Pastor Wees, after we take this break. Please come right back after this. Did you know that for over 40 years, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries with low-cost loans and resources? This is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Because of faithful investors like you, we've been able to help church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations to learn how you can get involved, call 800-843-8233. Welcome back to Concord Matters. I'm Pastor Sean Smith uh, with my uh, co-confessor today, Pastor David Weiss, pastor of Concordia in Evansville, Indiana. And right before the break, I had my fun little walkabout with Walther segment. And and in there, you know, said this is a fine art, uh, the proper distinction of law and gospel and yet wonderfully simple. Uh, but but this this is really a serious situation, right? we We preach the law to its full sternness so that the gospel can provide that comfort. Um, but but for a little more on this then, you know, but for this very serious situation and rest, continuing to wrestle with this great question that Pastor Weiss brought up with knowing when to speak up and 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 how to speak up. Uh, I, I guess my question is this: Is what is the best way then to protect ourselves or our witness uh, from obscuring the merits of Christ? That that gospel comfort, that true comfort that only the gospel provides. That's what we want to get to. So, what's the best way to protect that? The,
1: the great thing is um, that as as your hearers consider these things, if they start to get scared a little bit, wow, this is this is so important. I want to provide comfort. I don't want to get this wrong. I can see how this this I've done this so many times where I've mingled law and gospel um, because I wanted things to change. You know, so I, I really went after somebody um, with the law when they needed the gospel or, or I mean, we've all we've all struggled with this. And, and we don't want we don't want your listeners to be scared to death um, to say anything. And, and the great thing is there's a there's a way to make sure that 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 they're doing this well. And they can be comforted uh, at the same time, because we want them to be comforted, not just to be providers of comfort. The way to do it is to go to Christ, (laughs) to to um, to meditate on on the who who he is and and what he has done. Um, And and the church over the last 2000 years have given us so many wonderful resources, uh, but, but. Pick, I I would suggest just starting with the creed. Um, I I wrote down just just a a part of the the second article article of the creed um, as an example, and I'll read it. Um, I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. I mean, wow, <laughs> that's that's beautiful. That's amazing. Question is, what does it what does it mean? Give this great witness more than just a passing glance on Sunday. Um, I Was reading, I don't even remember. I think it was, I think it was Luther. I was reading it recently. I've been reading about Christian meditation, and he was talking about God's word. Um, but this is God's word given to us through the creed. And, and so it certainly applies. He, he talked about meditating on God's word and he said, treat it like a, a sweet smelling herb, um, rub at it. You know, um, we have a lavender in, in our yard or we will again, and, and it's right by where I park my car and I have a habit of, of kind of grabbing some of that, um, coming to and from the car and, and grabbing some of it. And, you know, I could just look at it and say, that's a pretty flower, or I could, I could bend over and, and and smell it and and think what a beautiful smell that is. But but I, I have this tendency to to grab some of it and and pluck it and kind of rub it in my hands. And um and then it becomes almost like a, a perfume on me, you know? It smells good and it, it, it's like it becomes part of me. This is the same thing as when Luther talks about inwardly digesting. This creed, this thing that I just read, this little part of the creed that I just read. While you're socially distancing yourself, seek your teeth into this spiritual food. Because C- you see, if you want to get long gospel right, th- there's no, it's, it's not, I mean, it's an art, but it's not complex. Just look at Jesus. Who is this person? What is his business in my life? Uh, a red flag should go up in any Christian's mind when the person and work of Christ, as it's confessed in this creed is obscured. You know, whether it's words coming out of my mouth, or I'm listening to a preacher, or a teacher, or I'm hearing something on the radio, these things provide wonderful guides for us. If if what I'm hearing is contrary to that, then, then a red flag should go up. If Christ's work is being obscured, then, then something's not right. It's a sure sign that these two wonderful God-given teachings of the Bible have been mingled into one, Um, muddy muddy, ugly mess um, and and we need to take a step back we need to pause I I, I love how you
0: bring us again, to Christ. And that's something that,
1: that I hope is a focal point
0: of this show for everyone, because that's, that's the focal point of our Lutheran confession of the faith, right, is, is who is Christ and what is he doing, <laughs> right, as you kind of laid out there for us. And, and we talked about this with Pastor Hemmer last week as well. And I guess Pastor Nebel, when we began this article a couple of weeks ago, um, also is that, you know, when you just look at Christ, right, he is law and gospel, right? We, we can't obscure the fact that, that Christ himself speaks words of law. They will crush and condemn me, right? Uh, his Sermon on the Mount is definitely a case in point of this, right? And yet at the same time, in the very action that he does among us in humanity, taking on our flesh, suffering and dying to be raised again, that's, that's our true gospel comfort, right? And so this, this makes the point that I've kind of already alluded to, but, but I think, you know, definitely needs to be stated with a point on it, is that God's word is law and gospel. When God speaks, it comes out as law and gospel, right? And, 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 and so when we, when we consider this, right, consider ourselves according to Christ as you encouraged us, right? You know, uh, how, how am I doing with the, the righteous judge of all on the last day? Is he going to take a look at my life and have a lot of those words that he had in the Sermon on the Mount and say, you're a murderer, you're a liar, you're a a coveter, you're an idolater, you know? Uh, Well, you know, as I look at and examine my life, I'll I'll have to say, well, yeah, he would say that to me. I I mean, that's definitely the way that I'm living. Right. So so the law crushes and condemns me. Well, where do I go with this? Right. You know, and, and that's why I need pastors to speak that to me, to make that clear proclamation from Christ's word, to, to lead me in personal counsel and, and, and confession uh, so that that I then am crushed by that law coming from Jesus himself. That I may be led to then to confession, to repentance and say, look, I am a poor, miserable sinner, and there's no hope for me on the day of judgment. I am going to hell. That is most assuredly true according to the law. And then it's, I'm driven to the same Christ, right? Who rescues me with his beautiful, comforting gospel. Well, guess what? I have taken all of your sin into myself. I have suffered and died in your place on the cross. and I'm raised again that you too may be raised. I mean, I, I, I love what you did here. You you just brought us to Christ and and the beautiful, I mean, I, I love that you, you talked about, you know, this is the way we meditate, right? You know, that it just, it kind of fills our nostrils, right? You know, we, we spend time in God's word and family devotion and and in the church gathering together to hear this word. And it's just an aroma that just fills our nostrils and we can't help but, but be led by the words of law and gospel coming to us uh, as God speaks to us. And, and that's, that's just the way that we live as Christians, right? And so we should continually immerse ourselves in this. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. And, 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 you know, the way we meditate then upon the, the creed too. I love giving that very practical example for us. Uh, a, as you said, you know, we want something practical for our people to take uh, from this uh, of, you know, how do I do this? Well, you know, first it applies to you. And as you meditate upon the creed, you know let that just fill you let that you know just saturate you all right uh, any any it, other thoughts on that pastor wees
1: yeah just again the 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 whole intent of the formula of concord was to take i mean not just this one article not not just this one uh teaching but was was to take things that have be- become terribly muddied um and to clarify and and i i mean i hate to say this um, it was true then it 's true now, but but in many cases, it was the teachers. It was the preachers that were muddying um, the waters and it, it It was the laity that was was um, kind of left in ruins where where they didn 't know if they could be sure of anything. Um, no doubt they wondered how do I comfort my family with god 's word because i 'm hearing this from one pastor and this from another pastor and and so I mean this was a very real problem that was dealt with in in a remarkable way um by by a few faithful pastors and laity um and it worked and um that's amazing to me um because we need it to work today that's why i i appreciate this show so much concord does matter um we we need um we need to have these simple things um I mean we our, our talk isn't always simple on this show, I understand, but we need to provide these simple things like the creed. that's why it's there, so we can be sure of something, and in that certainty we can offer some comfort to the people that we love and people we don't even know who who need comfort. Um, that's extraordinarily important and and I don't want anybody who's listening to think that because um it's because we're talking about how important it is um and and how much we struggle with this. That there aren't some good, uh simple, clear tools that are available to them um, so that they can do this well. Um, does it take practice? Sure. Um, are you always gonna get it right? Um you're better than I am if you have. Um, but that's not the point. We 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 know how to do this. We have extraordinary tools um at at our disposal. We just need to get at it. Um, and and that's for everybody. But especially to, to our, our um, and I say with the greatest respect our, respect, our brothers in the ministry, we need to get back at this. Um, we need to make sure we're on the same page so we're not causing this sort of confusion. But instead, we're providing clarity so that our people can provide comfort to their families.
0: I like how you uh, brought us to, you know, this is what the confessors were doing. And 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 you see this
1: also at work with Luther in the
0: time of the Reformation. It still goes on today, right? We we see this muddy, mingled mess, right? And and that's prone to happen in a world that is wrecked by sin. comfort. It's going to get muddied uh, a lot in there, right? So how do we respond to that? Well, you know, I, I love the example that the confessors lay out for us. And, and as you focused us upon, right, you know, they... They just simply are faithful. They they let God's word speak. You know, I I, I kind of love you know just the simplicity of what Jesus often says. You know, let he who has ears hear. Right, uh, the, the, my word will do the work. Right, uh, you know, let the reader understand. You know, we see this show up in scripture, and that's really all all our call is to today. Right, uh, so you know we don't have to get mean and. Right. And is that you know, that's actually wrong. And, and, and let's, let's talk about this from scripture. It's usually the mean and nasty response back to, you know, again, it's like my, my toddler, you know, throwing a temper tantrum because, well, you know, he, he heard that word. He doesn't like no, right. or You know, things like that. Uh, and so uh, then moving, moving forward, right. Is this, uh, so you talk about, you know, we have a mingled, muddy mess, and, and this is always something that I like to cover when we get into these negative statements, especially as it pertains uh, to, to the um, uh, uh, gospel, right? So so what are some common examples then of the mingling and muddied mess that we just simply need to speak faithfully God's word uh, to lead uh, those who are mingling and muddying it uh, to repentance and faith? Uh, but but that also that our people would be watchful for saying, oh, oh, this is a confusion of law and gospel. It's mingling it. And and that's going to lead me away from my true comfort. So my, my you know, my warning signals should be going up here. Uh, wh- what are some examples that we might see at work in the world in the church today?
1: Well, you mentioned one earlier and we don't have to talk about it again, but I want to make sure people know that that we did talk about it. And that is that when the gospel is preached um, in such a way um, what, what, pardon me. When the law is excluded, and people therefore are allowed to feel secure in their sins, like their sins are somehow excused by the gospel, and we we really already talked about that, but but that is one of the most common. Um, two others <clears throat> that I think are especially especially common um, that that I could mention. I'll, I'll mention this one first because the other one I, I I have had a hard time, and and maybe we can get to it, and if we have time, and you can you can help me with it, but I, have had a hard time communicating it. But, but the first one is a little bit easier. Um, and that's when someone is terrified, um, who is terrified by their sin. Um, they get bad advice where they're directed to their own piety for comfort, um, to their own good works. So, um, so they've, they've, um, they have the law heavy on their shoulders. Um, they see their sin, um, and they are struggling and they are hurting and um they to the point where they they're starting to think that that either god that, that god's maybe abandoned them um i i hate to think how often um those people end up hearing the law from their from their ministers um or even from their families um you know kind of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps sort of talk that americans are so famous for um pray more right um, th- 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 somebody who's struggling in the law doesn't, I mean, prayer's important, but, but they don't need to just hear pray more. Um, they don't need advice that just encourages them, encourages them to intensify their efforts to do the right thing. Um, because right now they're under the burden that even the things they want to do that are right, they're struggling to do, right? Like, for example, somebody with, with, uh, an addiction or something like that. Um, certainly, you know, It it feels right to say those things sometimes, like pray more, because we should pray um, more than we do. Um, It's good to pursue what is right. um, But we shouldn't encourage a person who's terrified by the law simply just to work harder and harder until they feel the forgiveness of God. And I think that's the problem there, um, at least one of the problems. Um, we, We need to tell them, those who see their sin we need to tell them about the reality of their sins on christ on the cross the reality of those sins that were washed away in the waters of holy baptism the reality that when the pastor speaks absolution those are not his words um, but christ's words um, the reality of the body and blood of christ and with and under that bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins Uh, we point people to the sacraments right that's good advice direct the desperate person to christ Um, and that's done by sharing the gospel by pointing them to the place where jesus meets them in order to give them the forgiveness and the new life they're looking for um uh, again i i think it's so tempting because um prayer is a good thing to do um doing the right thing is a good thing right um but but our comfort is found in christ
0: too, I wonder your thoughts on this. Maybe I'm just a bit cynical, but I think a lot of times people don't take advantage of the pastoral care of their soul because they're afraid, and, and maybe it's formed by just years of poor distinguishing of the law from the gospel, um, poor pastoral care, that they're afraid to come to their pastors and talk about these things because they're afraid that they're going to get more law. Uh, again, maybe I'm just too cynical, but that's kind of my observation: is that they stay away because they're afraid they're just going to hear how much worse they are, and, and they're they're already terrified by it. I mean, again, the in look way, but really, I I think sometimes they are terrified by what this means, but they don't come to the place to hear the true gospel comfort because they're afraid they're going to get more law, and and so I think that's where just as a church um you know the the broader church on earth whatever denomination you are but certainly as lutherans right we need to get back to what we le- lutherans do well we are we are the the true evangelicals right the true proclaimers of the good news and we we need to stop afflicting uh consciences with try harder do this pray more you know you know that's, that you speaking words of gospel, because again, and maybe maybe I'm I'm you know have my own errors in this too, but at least my observation is is that when they finally do break down or enough uh, that they talk to me as a pastor, I, I find that I I have to do very little law work in my pastoral care these days, um, not because that they're not living in sin and 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 maybe even wrestling with issues from the culture of saying it's okay. But you know, they've finally broken down, and they know, okay, I'm not finding any happiness here, right? And so um, finally, I'm just gonna go talk to my pastor, and so usually it's pretty wait and 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 hey, I have good news for you uh this is Christ for you, right? And, and I just take them out of the equation and just completely talk about Christ. I have a big crucifix on the wall in my office that hang, hangs above the predo, uh, where I say my my prayers uh, for the congregation and, and do my own um, prayerful meditation and so forth. And and, I, and I'm kind of famous around uh, this Southern Illinois part in the dual parish that I minister to, that I, I literally will just point to that cross and say, guess what? There, there's Christ for you right and and that's the beautiful true gospel comfort that we we should be directing them
1: i don't know what are your thoughts on that no i agree i i um i had a thought (laughs) (laughs) no i i agree a hundred percent i i i think that i think that one of the challenges um not only you, you talked about the challenges of the laity um but i think one of the challenges for laity and for pastors is um, just role confusion. What is the role of my pastor? If I have a problem, why would I go? And I don't mean that in a negative way, but a serious question. Why would I go uh, to my pastor? What uh, in, in our culture, our way of thinking, what service would he provide? And um, I, I think is confused about that. I, I think we are too as pastors. Um, I'm glad that there are good counselors um, in our world, but I, I, I think our primary work as pastors has kind of been um, put on the side um, because because everybody comes expecting counseling um, and, and there's a certain amount of, of counsel that, that pastors can provide. Um, but I, I, I have to admit the first few years of ministry, at least the first few years of ministry for me was getting... Getting past this idea that that I was some sort of um, untrained counselor, Um, I felt um, personally deficient um, because I knew I wasn't. I knew enough counsel. I took enough courses in counseling to know I wasn't a professional counselor. Um, And at the same time, people weren't necessarily coming for the forgiveness of sins. They were coming um, with more of a self help, you know, help me figure out how to do better sort of mentality. and again, we can offer some services in that regard. A lot of times, we probably need to refer people. Um, but but I like what you're talking about because it's talking about getting back to the main thing um, that we provide, and and that is Christ's words of forgiveness um, to to um, to hearts that have been broken by the law.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, and, and and at least for myself, an evaluation of you know, I, I thought you know why are people taking advantage of pastoral care? Uh, it was going through Walther and his great work, Law and Gospel, that I, I love what he focuses pastors on. He says, take a look at your sermons. Go over and over and over and over again, uh, what your sermons are proclaiming. You got to have law, you got to have gospel, but you got to rightly distinguish them. And, and, and it makes me think of, I think Pastor Hans Feeney has said this once, you know, and, and I really like the way he phrased it. You know, he said, you know, when people know that the gospel is coming, th- they'll be a lot more ready to hear the words of law. But but they need that kind of you know this is the soft place to land uh, right yeah. and and if they know that that's coming then then they're going to come for it and so at least for me as a pastor it's an encouragement and and in our Christian conversations with one another with our family members uh, again that that question knowing knowing when to speak up and so forth when we when we take a look at what we're saying are we properly handling the law and the gospel are we are we only speaking words of law and. and at least myself, I I tend to fall off on that side of the horse a little bit too much, right? Um, but uh, you know, so, so talk about this then too about you know, kind of I, I see your uh, you you sent me some show notes and you have a, a point on this. You know, when faith is taught as though it were the object of our salvation, uh, again that that I think you know at least in our pastoral teaching and preaching can help us with this other thing. When we evaluate, what is it that I am saying? And just for your, your own benefit here and our listeners too, you have about three minutes to cover this.
1: Okay. I, this is the one, three minutes. This is the one I struggle with. Um, Yeah. The, the idea of what is, um, what is the object of our salvation? Um, I, I think if you ask it that way, most people can answer pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, most Christians and that's Christ is the object of our salvation but it's it it's um it's amazing to me how quickly Christ is replaced with faith um, the object is replaced with with the thing that is intended to grab the object uh CfW Walther writes christian teaching is far from extolling faith because of its being so splendid a work and so beautiful a virtue um we um on the contrary he says christian Christianity teaches that faith justifies. Um, teaches that faith justifies and saves not because it is such a good work, but for the sake of the redemption in Christ, which faith appropriates. That's I read that terribly, but faith appropriates. That's the important thing. Um, Christ is the object faith appropriates. Um, we we need to be cautious um, in our our listening um, to preaching and teaching. Um, And we need to be cautious with our own words to make sure that faith does not become the object object of our salvation, um, that it it doesn't become in our minds a good work that merits something. Again, um, when we start to look at something we're doing, our own merits as contributing to our salvation, we're obscuring Christ and we obscure Christ. We are taking away comfort of Christians and we take away the comfort of Christians we are harming the church, and that's what this article was all about. Yeah,
0: I, I you know, maybe it's as as simple as the language we often use uh, when teaching our catechumens and confirmation classes, right, uh, and catechesis, that uh, you know, faith receives, right? That that is a a passive thing, and so we 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 simply proclaim Christ, and 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 He will come to us in law and gospel. But especially when we're when we're thinking about the Gospel, if we're making the reception of Christ a work that I have to do, you know that that try harder, believe harder, you know uh again even even just in our conversations with one another as christians with our with our family members and so forth, right uh you know, how am I presenting Christ to them? Do they know that there's a soft place to land when they're crushed and condemned uh under the law or the way that they're living or or what they're doing? Uh, uh, living in 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 unbelief or or whatever the situation may be, right? Am Am I presenting Christ as, guess what? This this is the comfort that He has, and and you have nothing to do but to receive it with open hands, right? I, I I'm handing a million dollars to you here. Are you not going to receive that? Um, uh, and, and, and and it's not something you have to reach out and grab, right? Uh, so much that we could continue to talk about. Again, uh, we, we've covered this in three episodes, The Law and the Gospel, but uh, great work that we can definitely not recommend enough. He's come up several times today, CFW Walther, on the proper distinction of law and gospel. Go out and get it. But for the simple thing of teaching for this, the law shows us our sins and is a terror to our souls. But the gospel, on the other hand, shows us the loving favor of God and what he has for us, even while we are yet still sinners. That's the proper distinction of law and gospel. It's important for us to keep these important parts of God's revelation separate so that the people can enjoy the comfort of the forgiveness of sins that is theirs in Christ Jesus. Thank you to Pastor David Weiss for joining us for Concord Matters today. And if you have a question or comment that you would like to leave for us to address the next time we convene for Concord, You can leave us a message by phone, 314-996-1542, email kfuo at kfuo.org, or find us on social media at KFUO Radio. Thank you for stopping by today, dear listener, and until next time, keep confessing, church. You've been listening to Concord Matters, produced by Worldwide KFUO. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. Or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Concord Matters on Worldwide KFUO.